Hello, I'm Maha Khan Phillips. Welcome to the latest episode of the CFA UK In Conversation podcast. This is a show for investment professionals focusing on a whole manner of topics and interesting insights impacting our profession today. In this episode, we're going to be talking about something a little different, a theme I'm broadly calling life hacks for investment professionals. Investment professionals have a lot of responsibilities, and like many people with busy lives, they don't always know where to go for that advice they need. Whether it's about managing transitions at work or in their lives or how they negotiate pay rises or make financial decisions, investment professionals have a lot on their plates. Well, I'm delighted to say that today we're joined by Fleur Yanazzo, CFA, who's going to give us some helpful advice. Fleur is an executive coach and also a money coach. She has spent over 18 years in finance, working in Melbourne, Hong Kong, and most recently in London. Having first been introduced to behavioral finance through the CFA program, Fleur has been fascinated by what drives financial decision-making and how individuals can change their financial behaviors. She is the founder of WTF Money and has set up her own coaching practice where she supports senior executives working in the financial sector through their own career and life changes. As well as being a CFA charter holder, Fleur holds a master's in science in coaching and behavioral change from the Henley Business School. Welcome, Fleur. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me and and that lovely introduction as well. Makes me blush. <laughs> well, we're delighted to have you and your expertise. I think some of these issues are not ones we think about very often, but they're really important. But before we get into into the, that, I'd like to actually start by asking you about your own transition. You had a career in finance, and you're now supporting other people with their financial decision making and well being. So, what made you decide to shift gears in terms of your own career trajectory? The short answer is um, I had a complete change in in my life and my lifestyle um, in the form of a child. So it's amazing uh, what children do. It's amazing what they do. It's like having a little stick of dynamite in in your life. So um, for for various reasons, you know, having a daughter really um, required me to sit back and think, okay, what am I doing? Um, and why am I doing it? And, and uh, am I satisfied? Uh, and the truth is I, I loved working in finance. I still love working in finance. Uh, but the structure that I was working in just wasn't working for me anymore. So I had to think about what I could change. And, and that started the really tough process of looking back and going, oh, so this is where the last 18 years have been, now what am I going to do? Can I continue for the next 18 years or or should I be doing something else? And, and so that's what led me to changing my career and, and retraining and tweaking what I do now. And helping all these people. And it's really interesting. So it was a transition in your own life, you know, motherhood that that started your journey, but we all face transitions in our lives, whether it's having a child or, you know, a new boss, if you were talking about a work transition or uh, joining a new team or getting redundant, getting made redundant. Um, what are some of the ways that investment professionals can think about the sort of challenges um, when they're transitioning in their own lives, whether it's a personal transition or whether it's a work-related transition? You know, often we're really tough on ourselves and we're like, oh God, I should have seen this coming or I should have prepared for this. Look, the reality is some stuff happens that we're, we're just not prepared for. And, and it's not because you've led your life the wrong way. It's, it's 
what I like to say to people is what has worked for you up until now perhaps isn't going to work in the future. And so, so you need to change. You need to change how you work. You need to change your mindset. Perhaps you need to change your skills. And we can spend a lot of time going, oh, God, should have done this before. It's too late to change now. This is too hard. Or, or you can go, well, hang on, this happens to everyone. And this has happened to me before. I just didn't see it as such a disastrous change. So I guess being kind to yourself first and foremost. So something's happened that perhaps in a perfect world you could have planned for, but you didn't. Okay, let's let's park it. What can you do now to take care of yourself and to take care of the people around you? And then from there, once you're taking care of yourself, like treating yourself kindly, not too much stress, as, as much as you can because transition periods are so stressful, then really thinking about, okay, what's going to work for me now and, and what can I change? That's so interesting because I, when you said you mentioned kindness and I was immediately thinking about my own experiences of transitions and thinking I absolutely do that thing you just said of like, oh, I should have seen that coming or I should have been better prepared. I think it's instinctive to kind of go to that place of what did I do wrong here instead of, you know, okay, this has happened and let's shift our mindsets and think about what we can make go right now. Yeah. And, and you know, perhaps it's something about working in finance that we're, we're constantly thinking about, well, what's the future going to bring? What's the risk of this decision? What's the risk of that decision? We get into this idea that we're very good at predicting the future. Actually, we're pretty bad. Um, I quite terrible at, at predicting the future, but we feel that, you know, if we're a professional responsible adult that we should have seen this coming and we should have prepared for it. And and it's almost impossible to do that. Life life has a wonderful way of just going, so you think you were prepared. Like let's just roll in this <laughs> grenade that you hadn't hadn't expected. Um, and see how you cope. Yeah, and uh, well, it's, it's, I'm going to be kinder to myself now, Flora. Thank you. Um, speaking of transitions, I know uh, an issue that comes up um, in in many of our conversations is how you negotiate uh, one transition, which is when you want a pay rise. And I thought you're the right person to ask about this because it's, it's so. I think all of us on the planet want to know how we do better at negotiating pay rises. Oh. Oh gosh, um, I, how long do you have? Uh, this I talk about it so often uh, with people, and and I think when it, it comes down to it, and and let me say, I will I will give advice. I will say this is what you should be doing. Do recognise that I've been as abjectly terrible at negotiating pay rises on a consistent basis. At, as, as anyone really. And I think it comes down to boldness. You know, we're not encouraged to ask for more as we grow up, where we're encouraged to make good with what we have and be grateful for what we have, which is really important. And it's really important to one's happiness. But equally, being able to negotiate it's a habit that we need to build. And if you're only talking about your pay once a year, that's a really 
difficult way of building a habit. We know that habits need repetition. So perhaps don't think of it as being negotiating all the time, but being a bit bolder in the conversations that you have. So being bold and letting your boss know that pay is something that's important to you and you want to make sure you're being paid fairly. Dropping these conversations in throughout the year being bold in how you talk to your colleagues and your friends and your loved ones about money. Money is still a taboo and it's absolutely still a taboo in the financial services. We might talk to our clients. Which is so interesting given the jobs that we have. Oh my God. We, We talk to our clients all the time about money and that's kind of normal and we reserve judgment on our clients. But then when it comes to talking with our friends or our colleagues about money, um, how you get paid, how much you get paid, what you spend your money on, where you invest, that is a sudden taboo because the judgment comes back in. You start comparing yourself to others and you start wondering, well, okay, is this or that better value? It's a really tricky balance. So what I would say is find people you can trust, who you can have real conversations with about money. Um, You know, how much do you get paid? What are you expected to do? What is your seniority? How did you get there? Um, how, How did you manage to negotiate pay rises? So I, I can give advice to the general public on how to negotiate a pay rise. But the truth is everyone's circumstances are completely different. It all depends on the organisation that you work in, the person that you report to, how pay is structured, spoken about. It could be transparent. It could be opaque. Um, So really work out what is the information that's relevant to you. There's so much out there, uh, but I think research is necessary. Um, getting in the into the practice of having safe conversations about money, that's necessary. Being a bit bolder, a bit arsier. Um, and, and the one piece of advice that I know works for everyone is, okay, if you're scared to negotiate, on behalf of yourself, that's fine. But imagine you're negotiating on behalf of somebody else, somebody you love, who you think is doing a cracking job. What would you say about them? How bold could you be in your conversations? And can you access some of that boldness and go and negotiate on your own behalf? That's really interesting because it shifts everything entirely because immediately when I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, well, of course I'd be bolder if I was advocating for somebody I cared about. Interesting. And and it's also brought to mind a conversation I had a couple of years ago with a CEO who was highlighting the differences within his teams. And he was talking about some people who just didn't, who were incredibly hardworking work, and really deserved a pay rise and indeed promotions. Um but wouldn't say anything and versus sort of people on his team who were really bullshy and were making, you know, raising their hands and making sure that everybody knew what they were doing and how he was finding the challenge to recognize and reward 
um, performance because of that discrepancy in how people are in the in the workplace. And that's really interesting because some people are more naturally bolder and some people aren't. Yeah, and it and it takes practice. So you know, anyone who's just starting off in in your finance career and you're thinking to yourself, oh, but you know what? I shouldn't be asking for this. I don't have that much experience. Mm, should I be asking for a pay rise? My answer is yes, absolutely. You should definitely be asking for a pay rise. You might not get the pay rise. You might not deserve the pay rise. But get in the practice of asking for the pay rise and and understanding that, yeah, it's it's a difficult conversation. It's okay to hear someone say, no, um, right now we're not prepared to give you a pay rise. Open up the conversation and say, okay, that's fine. Um, what would it take to get a pay rise? What do I need to be doing? Right, yeah. And that helps you map, I guess, your future. Yeah, yeah. It helps you plan. It helps you make a decision as to, look, do you actually want to be doing this work to get the pay rise you want? Or do you have to think about things in a different way? Interesting. And, I mean, just following on from that, a lot of our listeners are just starting out in their careers. Um, So it'd be great to get your perspective so young professionals who are just starting out, how should they think about their career development? Um, should they have mapped things out? Should they have clear goals and ideas of where they want to go? Or do they need to be sort of more flexible and look at opportunities as they come along? Where is the balance in that? Oh, that's that's really tricky. Um, what I would say is definitely have an idea of where you want to go. But it, it can be vague. It can be vague as all hell. So have a have a five-year plan of, you know, this is where I want to be in five years and it might be I want to be working in a certain country or I want to be working in a certain sector or I want to be doing this. Sometimes all the things that you don't want to be doing, that's really important to map out as well. Like I don't want to be doing this don't want to be doing that, don't want to be working there, don't want to be working for them. Um, So get your red lines in place. Uh, And then within that, within those boundaries, then you can be flexible. So I'm not sure it's it's very uh, inspirational to say, well, work out what you don't want to be doing. But it's really helped me. Well, it's very helpful, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it helped me in terms of working out what opportunities I want to be taking in the market and without narrowing myself down unrealistically. And it's, it's really helped me. Uh, but equally, you know, if you had asked me, five years ago, where would I be in five years' time? Oh, it certainly wasn't where I am right now. It's not how I could have ever imagined it, but still. Well, that, that comes down to then the idea of being flexible or seizing an opportunity when it comes your way. Yeah, yeah, or knowing perhaps at that point, and this is where I was five years ago, I was thinking about, okay, where do I want to be in five years' time? 
and I couldn't picture it. I really found it hard to to picture, like, what do I want to be doing? Um, And after years of having a pretty good idea of where I wanted to be in five years, I knew that I needed a bit of help to, to plan out and to think a little bit differently. I had an inkling that perhaps it wouldn't be working in banking Maybe it would be doing something different, but I was like, oh, my God, I have no idea. Uh, what what could I possibly do other than banking? Um, so, so, yeah, have, have your five-year plan. Do not worry if it doesn't come, come true in the way that you imagined. Well, hopefully it's come true in better ways or different ways that are as exciting, right? Oh, it's certainly been exciting. And... And that's it, you know, if you plan everything to the nth degree, nothing is exciting, nothing is new, everything is foretold. Um, so so it's really hard to do that. And what about if you're on the other side of the business? So if you're sort of a, a senior manager or a senior executive, one of the challenges of running an investment business is attracting and retaining key talent. So how can professionals, senior professionals, nurture that talent in their organizations? That's the million-dollar question, isn't it? Um, I would say there's always going to be a culture clash between people who have been in their careers for years, perhaps decades, and been working in the investment profession for decades and people who are new into the investment profession. And, And it constantly happens this this culture clash and if we consider that nurturing young talent is about learning from a new culture and that the young talent that's coming through has more to teach us as senior leaders than we have to teach them then that will naturally if if you can instill this in your organization the organisation will become a natural place where people thrive, whether they're new entrants or whether they've been in the industry for, for decades. This idea of learning from new cultures, from different cultures, ways of working, ways of thinking that we're not used to, that, that can help everyone thrive. So I'd, I'd say look at it from the culture point of view. And how can you manage these cultures coming together so that the best parts um, can can survive through your through your organisation? It's interesting because sometimes there's that instinct to say, "Well, we've always done something one way, so we're going to continue to do it that way." But yes, as you say, it doesn't work. It doesn't work, and I mean, our we naturally want things to continue as they have been happening. Uh, That gives us comfort. It gives us a sense of of safety and predictability. Um, But the reality is financial markets are changing, technological drivers are changing, and, and there are new people coming through the finance industry all the time. So there's this constant change we need to learn how to get used to it and 
and understand that it's going to change and change and change again. Yeah, and understand that we need to learn and change alongside it. So for a final question for you, um, I know investment professionals are not always the best people at um, finding help or recognizing when they need help in their life, whether it's uh, support with their career decisions or in, with life changes. Um, at what point do investment professionals, uh, what point could they recognize that they needed that help or should they recognize that they need that help and where would they go for that help? Or, so at what point might they recognize? I think, you know, when we work in finance and, and we're investment professionals, decision-making is our, it's our bread and butter. Making good decisions is, is what we do. So if you find that perhaps you're not making the best decisions, whether that's in your life or at work, things are becoming a little bit overwhelming and you're just not feeling on form, um, that might be a point at which you go, oh, perhaps I need something to help me out here or, or someone to help me out here. So the question about where to go then, um, many, many organisations will have an employee assistant, assistance program in place. So that's usually in the form of a, a confidential hotline that you can call. And I really, really recommend that people find out if such a hotline exists in their own um, organisation because they are confidential and you can have a talk to an external third party about what's going on and just get your thoughts in order. And they might be able to point you to local areas to get more support. So I understand that this is CFA UK, but people from around the world might might also be listening to it. Then I'd say, if you feel you can, talk to your colleagues. These are the people around you who, who can help. And I understand that not everyone will feel comfortable talking about stresses in the workplace. We do work in really competitive environments. So you don't always feel like that's the right place to talk about your worries and what you might be struggling with. So if you are in the UK, um, a website that's really helped me out, an organisation that's really helped me out is Mind in the UK. They support people with mental health um, concerns. And you know what? You don't have to be you don't have to be in crisis to be able to benefit from having some sort of support, somebody to talk to. You don't have to be broken to be able to um, benefit from having some sort of mental health support. So look around and I would absolutely definitely say talk to someone. Got to talk to somebody. Thank you. That's, that's so helpful and so good to know. Uh, wow, that, I feel like I've learned a lot today, um, particularly my key takeaway is I'm going to be kinder to myself. Yeah, so, absolutely. <laughs> which, is, which is, yeah, really important. Thank you so much, Fleur. That was really valuable and, and there was a lot of insight there for all of us. Um, and thank you to everyone for listening. Remember to look out for the next episode of our In Conversation podcast through the usual CFA UK email and social media channels. You can also subscribe so that you don't miss an episode through CFA UK's SoundCloud channel or Apple Podcasts. Flora, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, thank you, Maha. It's been an absolute pleasure.